A reading from Paul's second letter, letter to Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we um, continue to uh, declare um, your majesty, your greatness, that you are good and loving. God, we ascribe all the praise, the glory, and the honor to you and only to you. God, we thank you that... um, for the glorious news of the good, Je- good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel. And I pray, Lord, that we would just continue here to continue the pattern of our singing, Lord, of just making much of you, of exalting your holy name. And Lord, I pray that as we um, examine these two short verses, God, I pray that, um, that we'd be encouraged, that we'd be convicted, we'd be spurred on, God, that we would be reminded of the glorious gospel, that we'd be reminded of the grace of God, the unmerited favor that you've shown each of your children. And I pray, God, that as a result of that unmerited favor, that we would uh, be compelled by that and that we would just um, go. Uh, We would go and um, sacrifice um, for your glory and for the good of your elect. So God, receive all the glory this morning. God, I, I'm in need of uh, your grace, uh, your sustaining grace, your all-sufficient grace. And uh, Lord, I just take great comfort this morning knowing that your word does not return void and that, um, and that uh, the change in people's lives, the direction of this church does not depend upon me and any uh, eloquence I may be lacking. So God, please be glorified in us and through us as we open up your holy and abiding word. And God's people said. Amen. Good morning. So as uh, Tony just read, we are teaching through two verses today. Uh, second, uh, Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And um, I'm excited about it. It's been really good for my soul. It's, um, it's one of those passages where I'm, I'm really uh, passionate about it, actually. And I'd probably do a much better job if I was uh, speaking to like uh, a group of, of pastors or church leaders, uh, that type of thing. But, uh, but this... God's word is um, good for all of us at any time. So I trust that God has something for each of us in this church. Let me ask you a question. How many of you like change? Genuinely like change? A few of you, yeah. How many of you like change when you're not in control of that change? When somebody else is making the change? Some of you would still raise their hand and go, yeah, I just like change. Um, most of us don't like change. We don't enjoy change. We resist change. But, you know, we are all products of change. Um, I was thinking about this um, just last night, actually, that, um, that I'm a product of change. I'm, par- I'm product of, a, um, of parents that decided to um, change their world by having kids. Um, all of you have a family tree. Some of you have been on Ancestor.com. You've actually developed your family tree. Um, I've got two parents. My parents had um, eight children. 
And so they, they decided to add to their family. Have you heard that terminology? We're going to add to our family by having kids. But they decided, thankfully, to not just add to their family, but to encourage us to multiply their family. Their eight kids had eight spouses. And those eight spouses had 17 kids. And those 17 kids had another 13 kids. So that my parents um, started out 60 years ago, there's now 48 of them. So I'm grateful for the principle of multiplication. But you know what? Multiplication is not easy. Um, it's not easy. Um, that, that there is a pain um, with that kind of multiplication that my parents did. There's, there's the expense of weddings. Um, there's the hardship of trying to control and teach and um, shepherd, if you will, um, eight kids. Um, there's the pain with some of those kids moving away. But all of their sacrifice, all the sacrifice they made in having a multiplying family pales in return for the joy of adding others to their family. Church families multiply. Healthy church families multiply. Healthy churches don't necessarily grow in numbers. Um, A healthy church might be a church that doesn't grow in numbers, or a healthy church might be a church that does grow in numbers. But one thing is for sure is that a church does not have health unless it's multiplying. And we're going we're gonna to break that apart a little bit today. And um, as I said earlier, that this, this passage is really for pastors and leaders. It's for leaders of the church, but it affects all of us. And if you're part of this church or you're thinking about being part of this church, it, what I'm going to share with you today affects you profoundly. That this involves all of us. Multiplication involves all of us, and it's hard. Multiplication is hard. Change is hard. The last three weeks, we unpacked uh, the first chapter of this letter. And this first chapter was, was really power-packed where, where Paul encouraged Timothy to fan the flame of the gift of God. You see, Timothy, like you and I, we, if you know Jesus, that you have God's spirit in you. And if you have God's spirit in you, you've been uniquely gifted. You've been given spiritual gifts. And your spiritual gifts are to be used, actually, to, for the edification of the body to build up the body of Christ, to glorify God, to make known his great name. So Paul encourages Timothy to fan that flame. Don't let it go out. Steward it well. Use it. Operate in it. So he encouraged Timothy to fan the flame of the gift of God. He encouraged Timothy to not be ashamed of the gospel. He encouraged Timothy to hold to the pattern of sound or healthy teaching. In other words, what he told Timothy was that there's one gospel. And that gospel is timeless. There's different contexts and different cultures and different times where the gospel might be shared in different ways, but the message is timeless. It doesn't change. And he encouraged Timothy to guard the gospel. He told Timothy to guard it. Don't be ashamed of it. Hold to its pattern. And now Paul says, pass it on. Pass pass it on. That's what he's saying in verse 2 of chapter 2. And and everything that was mentioned in chapter 1, all the encouragements that Paul gave Timothy in chapter 1 requires the strength that is found in the grace of Christ Jesus. And now Paul encourages Timothy to pass it all on. Multiply it. Don't hold on to it. Don't grow by addition. Grow by multiplication. And this this section of Scripture is, as I mentioned, is not directly for, um, for many of you. Uh, 
like men. Uh, God says that men are going to be elders in the church. So you gals might be going, well, what does this have to do with me? What I'm doing, it has a lot to do with you because God has given you gifts and he is encouraging you to fan your flame so that your gift can be used to edify the body for his glory. And if you're a part of a church that is um, multiplying according to God's pattern, his strategy, it's going to profoundly affect you. You see, this strategy that Paul talks about, it's a strategy for raising up church leaders and pastors or elders who will take the baton of pastoral ministry from the current generation of church leaders and pass it on. It's, it's, taking, it's, it's raising up leaders who will take over, actually, who will lead this church and will lead other churches and will plant new churches so that, why? So that disciples can be one. See, some of you like change, but it's for the sake of change. There's only one. You see, the, 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 the end always justifies the means. That we should never change unless we're changing to try to affect, a, get to a certain goal. And, and the goal is making disciples. The goal is, is to, that people might come to know Jesus, to grow in their faith, and go make disciples. That's the end game. So let's, before we focus on this strategy, if you will, of multiplication, let's focus on the power and the motivation for multiplication. What's the power and what should motivate? If this is hard, hardy, why would I ever want to be a part of it? There's got to be a motivation. It can't can't be our strategy at WCC. It's got to be in the Word. For me, I'm I'm not a rule follower unless, like, there's a good reason. And God's Word is good enough reason for me to follow this rule. So let's focus on the power and motivation. Paul says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. First of all, what's implicit in this phrase, be strengthened, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, is that Timothy does not have the strength to fulfill the ministry on his own. He does not have the strength to fulfill his ministry on his own, to live out and to serve in his giftedness, and neither do you, and neither do I. That we need to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Earlier in the letter, Paul had encouraged Timothy to fan the flame of gift of God, And Timothy, like you and me, we've been given spiritual gifts in order to build up the church body. So Paul encourages them to use the gifts to fan the flame. Don't let it go out. Now he's reminding us to not rely on the gift, but instead rely on or be strengthened by the giver of the gift. He's telling Timothy, recognize that you are weak. Recognize your weaknesses so that you can rely completely on God's strength. We're in a culture that esteems strength, strong men and women that can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And there's a sense where, I guess, strength is good. But it's not good in the ministry. What's most effective is that you have pastors and elders that are actually more aware of our weaknesses than we are of our strengths. And I hope to unpack that a little bit later. We will only be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus to the extent that we are weak in ourselves and we cast ourselves on the all-sufficient grace of Christ. You might be asking the same question I ask is, what, 
What, what is the strengthening grace that is in Christ Jesus? What does it even mean to be strengthened by the, the grace that is in Christ Jesus? And how do I access that? I want some of that. It's the same grace that saves. Grace simply and profoundly means unmerited favor. That's what grace is. And when Paul says to Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, what he is saying is reflect upon the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That you were an enemy. You were dead. You were running in the opposite direction. Every human being was. There's nothing that we did that was good enough to earn standing or favor with a holy God, a holy, just God. But by his grace, by his mercy, we were made alive. It's the same grace that sustains us. We are strengthened by the grace of God when we remember the grace of God. We are strengthened by the grace of God when we remember the grace of God. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 reminds the church in Corinth, he says, he says I want you to remember the gospel that you heard, the gospel that you believed in, and I want you to stand in that same gospel. You see, the, the only way to move forward in power is by remembering the grace of God. It's when we remember our good, loving, and sovereign Lord who not only saved us but sustains us and will bring us all the way home that we will be strengthened. It's in, it's in remembering that that we will be strengthened. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Jars of clay are meant to be broken. They're, they're easily broken, I should say, not meant to be broken. They're easily broken. And we have this treasure in jars of clay that we are broken pots. Why? So that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. He made us weak people. So that anything good out of us would be evident that it's from him. John, in, in chapter 1, verse 16, he says that we've been given grace upon grace. Not only have we been saved by grace, but we're given grace upon grace. Paul says, Timothy, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Strengthened is a present passive. It means to be continually strengthened. Not just strengthened for today, but for tomorrow. It's not like just Popeye, when we're down, we drink the spinach. But we, are, we have unlimited grace to get us through today and tomorrow and next week, next month, next year. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 10 through 11, he says, but by the grace of God, I am who I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Can you imagine? This is Paul. And Paul says that if there's anything good in me, it's because of the grace of God. It was all given to me. It's not because I was a good student. It's not because I was a hard worker. Yeah, we participate with God on that. But he recognizes at the end of the day, anything good is a result of God's grace. By the grace of God, I am who I am. By his grace toward me was not, his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in, with, within me. Paul is saying, God's not against work, remember? God's against what? Earning. God's not against work. He's against earning. We don't earn our salvation, but we're to understand that anything good in us is a result of God, and we're to work. 
Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. Paul's also saying, I don't care who gets the credit. I don't give a rip who gets the credit. I don't care if it's the, the youth group down the street or the youth group here. He said, I don't care if it's FCA or Young Life. I don't care if it's this church or Timberline. He says, all that I care is that people would be saved. And that people would honor and glorify God. Now he tells Timothy to do the hard work. And this hard work is not just the ministry of the word and prayer. And think about Acts chapter 6. Remember this. We've talked about this before. It's when the church was just birthed. Thousands of people were coming to Christ. On Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved. And the church was exploding. And there were people being missed. There were widows that are being missed. They weren't being served. So the apostles say, said, it's not good for us to wait on tables. It's not good for us to meet all the physical needs of the body. That's what the body's for. We need to focus on the ministry of what? Word and prayer. That's the primary ministry of pastors. But it's not actually, I want to say, this is one of the main points I want to get across. That's, that ministry actually is not the hardest ministry for pastors. And it's, it's, a, it's a ministry that, that will sustain and nourish the church today. But it pales to the hard work of raising up leaders that will sustain and nourish, and nourish the church for generations to come. You see, we can focus on the ministry of the word and prayer, and we can say goodbye to this church in 10, 15 years down the road. Like the other thousands of churches in America that are closing their doors, if we're not intentional in raising up future pastors, leaders, and elders in the church. And I want to spend most of our time today on this verse too. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The strategy, uh, the strategy here is to pass on the mantle or the baton of leadership in the church. Pastors and leaders who engage in the important tasks of the word, of teaching the word, studying the word, and of prayer may be doing nothing to assure that the next generation of churches goes forth in strength. To Timothy, he's saying this, here's the baton, guard it, proclaim it, don't be ashamed of it, be willing to suffer for it, but now pass it on to other men, faithful men, who will do likewise. These are impossible tasks for any man, no matter the level of gifting. If, if the letter ended after chapter one, if he just ended the letter, we never got to today, the gospel would not go forth with power and the church would potentially die, the local church. Paul is encouraging Timothy to multiply future leaders. He's not talking about adding church leaders, but he's talking about multiplying them. Don't get me wrong. Our main role as pastors today is to feed the church. Elders, pastors, overseers, our primary role is to shepherd, feed and care for the flock. But if we're not raising up other shepherds, after these shepherds die or move on, and we're not intentional in raising up leaders, who's going to shepherd the flock?
This is a principle that Paul's talking about of multiplication, not addition. And I want to hopefully do an okay job of explaining this to you this morning. Because at WCC, we desire to multiply future church leaders. Not just for this church. I'm not going to be here forever. Chris isn't going to be here forever. Pat isn't. John isn't. We have an expiration date. We might move on. Might get kicked out. But I hope to talk about our heart for raising up leaders. And that by God's grace, we will send many leaders to plant churches and other families to go supporting those church planters. Some of you have been part of churches where the primary pastor leader dies or steps down. What have you experienced? You don't need to say that out loud. When the primary leader, senior pastor, dies, moves, moves on, or steps down, what happens? There's something called a search, right? And the church continues without key leadership for weeks, months, years sometimes. That's not God's best. That's not God's best. I believe this type of model should be the exception rather than the rule. Not our model, the model I just described. I believe that our model, by God's grace, is what we see in Scripture. And I want to, if you just show that picture up there for me real quick, it's kind of a crude picture, but this gives you the difference between addition and multiplication. Addition would be simply uh, Paul to Timothy to Barnabas to Silas, and the, and the dots would just go from coast to coast. Multiplication is when Paul invests in Timothy, and Timothy invests in other in faithful men, and those faithful men invest in other faithful men who invest in other faithful men. I don't know what best helps you, but think Amway. <laughs> That's multiplication. That's what propels the church forward by the grace of God. And Paul puts this responsibility on the current church leaders, Timothy in this case, to invest in and empower future leaders. Paul describes this multiplication in four generations that, that um, what you heard from me, Timothy, in front of many witnesses, pass on to what? Faithful or trustworthy men who will what? Pass on to others. And what's implied there is that it just continues, that it continues for generation after generation, but it's hard work. And this is, um, I've bought into this hook, line, and sinker over the last decade. But really, in, in preparing this message, I'm going, man, if I'm spending all my time during the week um, in the Word, um, shepherding this body and praying for this body, that's a good thing. But if I'm not, and Chris isn't, and Pat isn't, and John isn't, if we're not investing in the future leaders of this church and the future leaders of churches that by God's grace we're going to start, then we are going to be a statistic like thousands of churches in America are right now. You don't have to drive too far through Greeley right now to see empty sanctuaries, churches that have a great legacy, churches that had men that were preaching the gospel, that were praying for the body, that were studying the word, that were making disciples, but one thing was missing. They did not invest in future leaders, elders, pastors. And pastors and elders have an expiration date. 
Mine is probably closer than most. What Paul says is what you've heard from me. In trust of faithful men. You've heard the acronym FAT. We want to invest in fat men. Faithful, available, and teachable. Who will be able to teach others. You see, multiplying church leaders strengthen the church today. They strengthen the church in the future when its current leaders are gone, and it strengthens new churches. And please give me grace on this. It's the best picture I could come up with. The local church is the primary womb, if you will, for producing church leaders. And if a church doesn't prioritize and develop a process for raising up and empowering church leaders, I submit to you, the church will be unhealthy. A single pastor cannot do it all. A single pastor is not designed to do it all. He doesn't have all the gifts. He doesn't have all the time. He doesn't have the right personality to shepherd the people of God that God has entrusted him to oversee. There is a highly theological movie called Rocky. In the boxer, Rocky Balboa sums up the importance and the, va- and the value of plurality. You didn't know that Rocky talked about plurality. He describes the relationship that he has with his girlfriend. Yo, Adrian. Adrian! And he says this, I've got gaps. She's got gaps. Together we got no gaps. That's plurality. I got gaps. Chris has gaps, John has gaps, Pat has gaps, together we have less gaps. <laughs> Still gaps. And we recognize that. And we look around and we see a Jake Pence. And we see a Jason Shelton. And we see that these men have been trained and they aspire to the office of elder. And we see that they're part of this um, forgotten and dysfunctional generation called millennials that I love so much. And by God's grace, we may be having them up here to lay hands on them as pastors in the next several months. The church is going to be better fed and cared for by a plurality of elders with different gifts, personalities, and ages. And quite honestly, it's easier to lead a church or any organization, even a family, by yourself, right? To be a dictator, you don't have to like, worry about collaboration, you don't have to worry about unity, um, but it is not best by any means. Doing the hard work of investing in the next generation strengthens the local church today. And this type of intentional leadership requires strength that only comes from God's grace. Have you ever thought of why churches who have a senior pastor that retires or moves on or dies oftentimes spend months or years looking for a replacement? You ever thought of why that is? It's one of two reasons. And it's it's a norm in America today. It's one of two reasons. One is, is that the senior pastor had a good staff. He might have preached the word well. and might have prayed for the body well and shepherded the body well, but he did not raise up the next generation of leaders. The second reason that there might be um, 
pastoral searches that last for months or years is that the body was so tied to one man that they're looking for somebody just like him. Or in my case, that they were looking for somebody just the opposite of him. Either way takes months or years. It's not best. There are thousands of churches in America, as I mentioned, that are dying and closing their doors. These are not bad churches. These are churches that were or are pastored by men who love Jesus. And as a body of believers that love Jesus. But they're not intentional in raising up leaders. This type of investment in future pastors is evidence that the current pastors recognize their own limitations and understand the biblical blueprint for a plurality of elders. The church has been most effective in moving forward through multiplication, not addition. And you know what? Quite frankly, the church has abdicated their responsibility of raising up leaders, and we have abdicated it to seminary. There's a place for seminary, actually. It's a classroom place. It's a place to learn theology. It's a place to learn doctrine. It is a not a place. It is not a womb for raising up pastors. The church is the womb that God created for raising up pastors. The church is to raise up and empower leaders to go in their God-given giftedness, strengthened by His grace to lead churches. Instead of adding men who are already trained up at seminary, that's what happens, by the way. When you go out on a pastoral search, you're adding men. You're not, you're not birthing them, raising them up. You're, you're adding them. One of our core pursuits at WCC, and we don't talk about our core pursuits enough. We have six of them. And if you go to our uh, Connect Lunch, if you're new here, you'll hear about those. But one of them is proactive multiplication, it, intentional multiplication. And we have the word intentional or proactive before that because it needs to be intentional or proactive or it won't happen. Because multiplication's hard. Nobody wants to multiply. Nobody likes change. Especially when change has to do with leaving people that you love. Further, we believe that there are other men who are being called to lead this church. We believe there's other men that are being called to lead this church in the future and to be sent out to start other works. When I die, when I move on, I don't want there to be a vacuum for whatever, whatever role I play, whatever small role I play, somebody should be able to step in. Seamless. And the church moves on in power. By God's grace. You know, we have a strategy here. We have a strategy for making disciples. And here's built on community groups. Our small groups, we have 18 of them. And our community groups are built on the principle of multiplication rather than addition. Let me give you an example, like seminary is an example. And, and I don't want you to leave here like uh, tweeting like uh, our pastors against like seminary. I'm not against seminary. And not, I'm not against this next thing I'm going to say either. Um, Adult Sunday school is based on the principle of addition, not multiplication. Adult Sunday school has one leader 
a limited number of people because there is a limited space that is not scalable. It is a great classroom setting and we need to have some good classroom settings in the church. But it is not scalable and it is not multiplication, it's adding. And the reason that we have community groups is because we've got 18 leaders who are, uh, are most of them have apprentices who are, who are pregnant ready to multiply so they can accommodate and equip and encourage and empower more people. That's multiplication. Community groups multiply. They're not dependent on one location or one leader. They're an incubator, actually, for future pastors and elders. Our desire is that new community groups would be multiplied, not added. And this happens when an existing community group leader has an apprentice or a co-leader that is being groomed to start another group. Our hope is that all community groups are pregnant. We've asked our leaders to pray and look for apprentices or co-leaders. Because if they're not intentional, if we're not intentional, if I don't have an apprentice in my group, I don't have an apprentice right now. If I don't have an apprentice or, or co-leader, the Hardy group's not going to multiply. Every time I've had a, an apprentice or a co-leader, which is five times, it's multiplied. It's when I'm intentional in my little group of finding somebody that um, the Lord has his hand on to multiply our group. We don't have a time frame, though. And I know some of you hate this. It's so hard to multiply. It's so hard to leave people you love. We don't have a time frame on it. Some community groups are going to multiply like rabbits. As soon as they start a new group, they're already thinking, like, let's start another group. And some of them are going to multiply like elephants. I get a 22-month gestation period. And that's okay. We're good with that. We're good with that. But we want to be intentional. Some, some groups are going to grow bigger before they multiply. Some are going to multiply you know, before, while they're still infants. But they've got to be pregnant. How many of you are Trekkies? A few of you, and you guys admit it. I'm not. I'm not smart enough. Just reading a book by Ed Stetzer called um, Viral Churches, and he quotes this. He quotes, quotes an episode called The Trouble with Tribbles. Do you know it? Yeah. The Trouble with Tribbles. I'd never heard of it before I read it the other day. On, on a particular voyage of the Starship Enterprise, the crew encountered some lovable little creatures called tribbles. At first, the crew was fascinated with these little cute creatures. Then everything changed when they were over, when these creatures, these cute tribbles, overwhelmed the vessel through rapid multiplication. Tribbles multiplied much faster than rabbits. Do you know why? It's because they were born pregnant. Tribbles were born pregnant. And an exponential multiplication is when whatever we're multiplying is born or launched or planted pregnant. Addition is easier than multiplication. And actually, addition is better than doing nothing. We desire to multiply community groups that are already pregnant and multiply churches that are already pregnant, all with differing gestation periods, but pregnant nonetheless. Our hope is that some of our community groups go start churches, actually. Our hope is that they go start churches. 
And that, they're, and that when they start churches, they're intentional of raising up and empowering leaders to shepherd community groups who will go out and multiply churches. We were planted, this church was planted in 2001 by Mountain View Community Church. Mountain View Community Church has a pastor's leadership institute. We now have a pastor's leadership institute. Mountain View um, planted two years ago, two and a half years ago, Redemption in Loveland. They have a pastor's leadership institute. The crossing was planted in Fort Collins out of the church we planted in Greeley. They have a pastor's leadership institute. So each of our churches are doing their part to raise up leaders, to multiply leaders, to plant more churches. And the end, by the way, is not to plant more churches. The end is to make disciples. Planting churches is just a vehicle. It's easier It's so much easier to not think about tomorrow, to focus on the task at hand, the ministry of the word and prayer. I promise you, your pastors will do that, continue to do that. But we're going to continue to raise up by God's grace and strength pastors and elders and leaders because they are the future of this church. And our hope is that they'll pastor other churches. And your pastors need to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus so that we would do the good but hard work of identifying and raising up and empowering these leaders. This requires the strength of God's grace. You know what else takes the strength of God's grace? Is sending people out is hard. Oftentimes the people that leave are the people that are most um, like going for it with the gospel. A lot of times, I guess in God's economy, the people leave have the most resources too. So there's a sacrifice when people leave to go plant churches. When we encourage them to go plant a church is that a lot of good people and a lot of valuable resources are going. I love this quote from an unknown author. It says, if you're, if you're planting for one year, grow rice. If you're planting for 20 years, grow trees. If you're planting for centuries, grow leaders, author unknown. Our community group leaders need to be strengthened. They need to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus to find an apprentice who can multiply their group so that there's more room for others. Pray for them. You may not be called to be a pastor or elder, but you may be called. In fact, I'll tell you, you are called to be a part of multiplication. It may not be to a new church, but it'll probably be a new community group at some point. And this is sacrifice. This is pain. I was recalling with Nancy this morning, and I I know I've talked about this before. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was 2001. And our family, our three kids, my wife and I, we, we all pretty much came to Christ at Mountain View Community Church in Fort Collins. We loved the church. We loved the preaching. We loved the, the plurality. We loved our small group. But the Lord was calling us to be part of a multiplication to Windsor, Colorado. And I remember sitting in the front left row, like right here, when Tom Harkis was up there and Willie O'Burke was up there, and they were describing this new work in Greeley. And it just dawned on us what we said yes to. What we said yes to was leaving a church that we loved, people that we loved. And it was God's grace that strengthened us to do that. Other than that, it's, a, it's just a bad idea. Who would want to go through that? We've multiplied our community group five times. 
And in in multiplying our community group, I remember several times when people are like charging out the door to go multiply their community group with their new friends that they found in our group. (laughs) And Nancy and I are just standing there like this with Tucker, just hoping that people would join our group. Multiplication is designed to be hard. And we're not going to shy away from it. And this strategy for multiplication only makes sense. Not only is it only possible when we're strengthened by the grace of God, but it only makes sense when we understand the grace of God. When we understand that the triune God fractured his relationship so that Jesus could come and seek us out and bring us into a right relationship with him. That the the God, the creator of the universe, the the almighty God sacrificed everything so that we would have something. And that something is called union in Christ, a relationship with the Father, adoption. We've been justified. And multiplication is sacrifice. And sacrifice... It's, it's painful. There's a lot of changes going on around here. We have 18 community groups right now. Our prayer, quite frankly, my prayer, I shouldn't say our, I don't know if I talked to the pastors about this, is to have double, we need double the community groups. That's going to require some pain, some sacrifice, some desire to reach more people. That's our heart. We're going to be, by God's grace, we're, we bought the units next door. Our, our plan is to Heart of man plans his ways, the Lord directs his steps. Our plan right now, at 12.35, sorry, we're five minutes late, is to expand next door. But we don't know what the Lord's doing. And, and if and when we do expand, it's going to be uncomfortable. There's going to be more people, maybe. There's going to be more community groups. You're going to see your good friends less. But we've been left here on this earth to make known the great name of Jesus. And this church exists to make known the great name of Jesus, to to encourage you and to equip you and to empower you to make known the great name of Jesus. Until he returns, we're going to do that work. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we bless you. We thank you that, um, that you so loved the world, that you so loved us, that you gave your only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And we thank you, Jesus, that you came to give us life and life abundantly. We thank you that we do live in a place and a time where um, there's uh, lots of prosperity. Um, We don't have to want. But God, I pray that um, some of these principles that we see in Scripture for for multiplication, God, I pray that we um, we would choose by the strength of the grace that's in Christ Jesus, that we would choose to do the hard work. Not to earn anything, but because of the grace of God that has radically arrested our hearts and our souls. That has caused us to live differently. God, thank you for this, um, this church, this, this body of people this local expression of your greater church. God, would you use us 
as uh, sacrificial multiplying vessels for your glory and for the good of the elect in northern Colorado and to the ends of the earth. And God's people said...